Welcome to our second special episode of the PetsApp podcast on women's health as part of PetsApp support for Veterinary Women Health Month. We're joined today by Liz Barton, editor of Veterinary Women. Welcome, Liz. Hello, thanks for having me. Of course. Could we start by hearing a bit about your story? Yes, so uh, I graduated in 2004 uh, and I was continuously employed as a vet for 15 years. Um, really enjoyed my uh, my veterinary life, but, uh, you know, came across the usual stumbling blocks, um, you know, issues around career progression versus caring responsibilities, etc. Um, and I just found that a lot of the problems and issues I was having weren't really talked about. Um, they yeah. were you know, we just sort of expected to put up and shut up and carry on. Um, but then when I, uh, after having my own family, um, I sort of went through a period where I had quite a nice um, work-life balance, working part-time, bringing up young kids. Um, and I just took a, a big step back and sort of looked at the profession as a whole. And I just thought, there's a lot of unhappiness here. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm not, um, I don't just want to keep watching the unhappiness develop and grow and not be able to do anything about it. Um, and that, for me, then started quite a long and circuitous journey, developing various resources and discussions and um, joining with others. So to, to basically um, develop resources, um, everything from co-founding WellVet, which is particularly looking at uh, how we develop our own wellbeing toolkit to um, helping to, to restart the Vet Mums Facebook group, which is now over 4,000 members sort of having discussions around parenting in the profession. Um, getting involved with um, SPIVs, I sit on SPIVs board as their wellbeing representative. Uh, and then most recently, that sort of led me to join up with Susan Mackay, who'd founded the Veterinary Woman website. Um, and she's sort of taken me on to edit that and uh, and really start developing the conversations around encouraging women to um, progress in their career journeys. So, yeah, that's sort of how I got involved in uh, in Veterinary Women. Brilliant. And there's so much to dig into there. But I, I just want to start by saying throughout October and into November, Veterinary Women are running a series of events on women's health. What, what can we look forward to there? Yeah, so uh, Veterinary Women Health Month came about because – I was looking at the sort of national awareness campaigns and they all seem to centre around October um, about the issues to do with women's health. So we've got Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, there's Baby Loss Awareness Week. It's also World Menopause Day. Um, and then into early November, it's National Fertility Awareness Week. So there's some real touch points there. And as a profession that is predominantly female, uh, especially female of sort of childbearing age, there's a huge impact on, you know, the, a large majority of the workforce. And I don't just mean women, I mean also indirectly men are affected um, also directly by, you know, men can yeah. get breast cancer, for example. Um, you know, all genders can be hugely impacted by these very... Um, physically and mentally impacting conditions and we don't talk about them so you know why are we not talking about them more this is a year which uh you know particularly with Anna Judson the president of of SPIVS I've had conversations with her about how we want to talk more about menopause 
in order to retain some of the profession in the talent that sorry talent in the profession that uh, that drops away because you know it's hard living with these things especially when we're expected not not to talk about them and therefore there isn't the support there so yeah I want to ask you about that Liz actually so some of the issues raised in these events are I think in some ways inherently difficult to talk about like the unimaginable pain of losing a baby but some we seem to not want to address like like the menopause out of embarrassment is it or a certain misplaced squeamishness why why do you think that is and what can we do about it i think a lot of it is culture um you know historically we're supposed to just get on with it it's a natural part of being a woman um we place way too much value on stoicism being a martyr to work and and just getting on with it um but the danger is you know we're pretending to be okay but in reality we're we're dealing with problems we don't feel able to air and share um as soon as we do start talking about them we start seeing empathy support encouragement and then out of understanding those you know the impact we can then start to put in sort of practical measures both for the individual and and, you know within the structures of of practice life to actually make make working life easier and more sustainable so yeah i think a lot of it is culture it's interesting. I, I, I certainly notice, you know, when my wife was giving birth to our two kids, there's a certain um, attitude towards uh, the uh, w- women's experience of pain that is, is slightly dismissive. I remember I had um, strains, a ligament or something in my foot, and I was given painkillers for that. And then there's this sort of um, maybe stigma around pain relief during childbirth and, and exploring the options there. Do you think that applies to this sort of idea of, you know, suck it up, get on with it, applies to women's issues more generally? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, a lot of it is our physiology um, and, you know, not just the kind of intensity of of childbirth, but um, I actually started looking at women's health issues back in March when it's actually Endometriosis Awareness Month. because even the monthly cycle can be hugely debilitating for women. You know, you can have paralyzing stomach cramps on a yeah. regular monthly cycle. And that's just something that we're um, encouraged to just get on with and deal with. Um, and that that's actually very damaging because there is support out there and there are things that can be done to help. And there's a, uh, a gynecologist that talks about the trickle, triple whammy of women's health problems. So you've got the physical health impact plus a mental health impact, all compounded by the stigma associated with subjects being too taboo. So meaning people yeah. don't talk about it and they're less likely to seek medical help as well as peer support. So, you know, we do need to, to get over that and actually say, if it's impacting us, then, you know, we do, if we talk about it either to our GP um, or, you know, within the sort of um, peer support groups, then we can find ways to mitigate those effects and actually live healthier and happier. It's interesting. I've managed veterinary groups with, you know, 300 plus employees, majority of them women, and I've never had a conversation involving the mention of um, someone's period or their cycle, but probably that has happened through euphemism. Do you think we need to sort of drop the euphemisms? Yeah, I think plain language always helps. Um, and I think with euphemisms is 
you know, there's a, a degree of uh, miscommunication. You know, things can sort of get lost in translation. So I think unless we use plain, clear language, and this applies across the board to, to all of the sort of um, cultural issues that we're facing as a profession, you know, we need to speak more plainly. Um, you know, when you think, like you say, people didn't sort of talk about their cycles. Well, you know, for example, um, all women at some stage will be affected by menopause and 75% of those will experience unwelcome symptoms. And in a quarter, the symptoms are severe. Um, so we're talking about an impact, you know, in over half of the veterinary population with symptoms lasting for on average four to eight years. Um, and a quarter of women consider leaving work as a result of being unable to cope with their symptoms. Now, if we're talking about those symptoms and we're, you know, facilitating sort of rest breaks and helping people to stay in the workplace, um, you know, even when they're experiencing those difficulties and we're normalising, encouraging people to speak to their GP and, and seeking medical help. You know, I'm sure those figures will go down, but at the moment it's all sort of covered up. So people are suffering in silence. How do we help a clumsy man such as myself that isn't educated around this stuff that isn't used to having these kinds of conversations how how do we help them sort of address this stuff where appropriate and, and address it appropriately so i think there's a, a few things there the key is um initially raising awareness so part of the the whole point of women's health month is is to raise the awareness of of just quite how great the impact is um, and also understanding the specifics so for example um, the vet minds group which nat scroggy started um, it, or you know co-founded um, that's a, a discussion group where they're talking about the impact of miscarriage infertility neonatal death and stillbirth and there are consistent themes which come out of that um, so, for example, somebody that's experienced baby loss, having to go back to work and deal with demanding breeders, particularly, you know, C-sections, pregnancy scans, even end of life discussions when they're silently suffering their own grief and loss um, presents particular challenges. And just being aware that those things are being experienced, you know, as a as a as a boss and as a um, as an employer sort of saying, well, let's make sure that, you know, we don't give give this person c-sections and annoying breeders for the next couple of months um, so the first thing is is understanding and raising awareness of where those those touch points are um, that, that particularly affect people and then communication you know so um, one of the vet minds members uh, I'm just quoting here said something I think is very common is for the emotions to wax and wane for some time on some days you feel quite robust and over it. On other days you feel really rubbish, tearful with low self-esteem. Having your colleagues empathise and help you through those tougher days makes it possible to get back to enjoying the job again. And I think we've shied away from communication um, and talking about it because we haven't understood the impact. So raising awareness of the people affected, understanding, you know, where those, those difficulties lie, and then just being brave enough to to open the conversations and with a lot of mental and physical health issues it's about saying are you okay and just keep saying are you okay um we don't have to have the answers and the solutions but just starting that conversation um and and having that empathy is so so important 
Yeah, I think that was the 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 most powerful thing for me. The key takeaway in Nat Scurry's recent baby loss article was awareness of the triggers in day to day veterinary practice that that exists for people. And I think it's something that just honestly, candidly, I, I'd given almost zero thought to. Uh, and so yeah, just 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 having the conversation triggers it because I think people want to be supportive. People, you know, in the main, people want to be there and, and do the right thing, but. Um, awareness is so important absolutely and you know there's um there's so many of these um these health issues which you know there's there's kind of positive and negative triggers and that you know the classic um you know for example with infertility um one in eight couples will experience fertility problems and i'm talking about men here as well you know so for those men in practice that are struggling with fertility problems and and for for women affected as well um you know just the the conversations that occur around oh when are you starting a family and well-meaning clients asking etc whereas people are sort of carrying this um this really difficult um you know ongoing health issue that's sort of impacting their their future family planning and and their career planning and you know really the the, the whole rest of their lives um you know it's it's very difficult to know how to be sensitive about that particularly when other members of the practice are announcing pregnancies etc um but you know we we need to understand how we can help and support those people and just be a bit more sensitive um you know i don't have all the answers at all and that's partly why i'm i'm starting these conversations you know for my own understanding and and empathy to grow yeah and in terms of empathy uh, it's important to realize that everyone experiences these things in in different ways and i think it it's awareness around that we're we're all individuals and we have our own ways of experiencing things and dealing with things and we're, we're talking in a country where we have this culture of the stiff upper lip and for some people that's that works and maybe that's co- their coping me- mechanism how do we have these conversations without being judgmental in the reverse you know making someone feel uncomfortable that they're not experiencing it in, in that same way i think i i grew up uh in a time you know really stiff upper lip um particularly my father uh, we didn't talk about any health issues at all but also my mum um didn't go into a huge amount of detail um you know from from puberty onwards um and yeah I could see her struggling for example with menopause but I just had no real understanding of of what it was um but the more we encourage people to talk about it the more we do shift that culture um and it isn't you know we are unused to talking about it it can be a bit embarrassing however what's been clearly shown through the vet mums group and the vet minds group is actually as soon as you start that conversation and a couple of people open up then it sort of opens the floodgates of oh my goodness this is okay to talk about it's been hugely impacting me I'm not the only one I'm not soft I'm not rubbish um and I think a lot of the confidence to to speak up and to make it okay to to speak up is how we receive that so you know if somebody is is asked and then you know they sort of say actually I am struggling if that's then received well you know let's let's do something about it what can we do to help you then it makes it okay and it encourages that further conversation um 
if we don't ask and, and people don't say, or if they, even worse, if they do say, and it's sort of met with a uh, a bit of a prudishness and a, well, just, just get on with it, everybody else has, um, then that's when it really shuts the door and, and uh, you know, prevents that, that progress, which will ultimately help people to, as I say, stay in the, stay in the profession and live, you know, have happier working lives. It's not just about awareness, then it's also about permission. Absolutely. Um, permission is key. And as a, as a mum to young girls, you know, I'm, I'm struggling, I'll be honest, but you know, I know I need to teach my daughters not to be afraid of understanding and checking their bodies and that it's not dirty and it's important for them to be less taboo and more in tune with their physical and mental health than I was growing up. Um, you know, I, I love this quote from Michelle Obama, you know, our, our power as women, our voice comes from our ability to value our health and the vessel we exist in. What a woman's body is going through is important information. It needs to take up space in society because it's affecting us and we're living like it's not happening. Um, you know, we need to just grow up um, as individuals, as, as professionals, as, as, uh, as an industry and, and have these conversations because by doing that, we are, as I say, you know, helping people. And it's all about the people at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I, I can feel it even in our conversation, Liz. For me, there's a certain uh, tentativeness where you just don't want to say the wrong thing. And I think um, taking the risk of, you know, uh, saying the wrong thing and as long as that person knows that it's coming from a place of empathy and compassion, um, there, you know, there's a, there's a need for understanding on both sides, I suppose. Absolutely. And I don't think there's anything wrong at all with saying to somebody that you, you know, either know is affected or you think may be affected to actually say, look, I'm not sure if I'm going to say the wrong thing here. And, and please tell me if this isn't helpful. But if you are finding this difficult, what can we do to help? You know, do you want to talk about it? Yeah. You know, do you want to have an afternoon off to speak to your GP? You know, we, we could be doing better for you. And please talk to me and let me know how to do that I don't think you have to say too much I think just opening the conversation opening that door um and and letting that person leave it, it to be honest for me I find it similar to talking about mental health I feel very awkward asking people how they are because I sort of feel oh what if they what if they say something and I haven't got the answers the truth is we don't have to have the answers it's not down to us to fix it it's down to us to open the door to them talking and then to suggest you know pointing them in the right direction vet life are fantastic um you know both for mental health and and issues impacting mental health including health problems so you know we don't have to have all the answers we don't have to be fearful of saying the right thing we just have to be open and um encourage conversation and support yeah that, that, that's really useful advice actually on our last episode on the podcast, we had Anna Bieber on and um, talking about uh, the Vet Your Breast campaign. And it struck me how there can be relatively simple solutions that have powerful outcomes. Um, Anna was talking about how she saw a, um, a breast cancer poster in the gym that led to her um, examining her own breast and, and getting the, the treatment she needed. There's, it doesn't take... A, a massive change to, to, to make a big difference. Yeah, so 
part of being a mum to, to young girls, as I was saying, is encouraging them to do things like check their breasts. I mean, I was astounded when I looked at Anna Bieber's Bet Your Breasts campaign at the number of people affected. Uh, the fact that one woman is diagnosed with breast, breast cancer every 10 minutes in the UK and 400 men every year. I mean, it's just staggering. Um, and even reading her posters has encouraged me to check my body more regularly uh, and making that normal and making that okay and actually facilitating that within veterinary practice by having the posters on the wall is such a simple, elegant solution. And I'm sure there are lots more individuals out there who have these solutions. And if we make these kind of conversations normal, then hopefully more simple, elegant solutions will come out of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was talking to Anna on the podcast, um, I think she mentioned one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetimes. So I think it would be hard to find an issue that is more relevant to, to people in our profession, not just those that are diagnosed themselves, but um, as someone that's had family members go through through that, it, it, it can, can be a harrowing experience, even when it's not happening to you personally. Absolutely. And actually, if you look at all of these health issues, you know, the, the statistics are all sort of one in eight, one in four, you know, 75%. The impacts are enormous. Um, and there's increasing data um, from other industries looking at the socioeconomic impact of all of these um, health issues individually and together. Uh, and the impact both on um, things like financial losses in, in business practice, um, but also this sort of attrition rate from um, career progression is just huge. And we could and should be doing more for so many reasons. I like that um, appeal to pragmatism, that there are real sort of commercial reasons to give ourselves access to the best and broadest possible pool of talent. And once we have access to that pool of talent, keep them as um, healthy uh, as possible you know e even if you just put aside it's the right thing to do um it, there are commercial drivers there too yeah and we're we're waking up to that in terms of mental health a lot more as a profession um we're recognizing that if we treat our people better they perform better they stay longer uh, and there are huge economic uh in outputs as and benefits as well as the, the very moral and, uh, um, you know, individual benefits. I think we're starting to have that conversation now about physical health taboos that um, we've just covered up because, as I say, they're, they're part of a woman's physiology and she should just get on with it. Um, you know, that should not be the case. We need to do better. Well, it's, it's a powerful message, Liz, and I'm so grateful for you coming on to our podcast and, and sharing your thoughts. I hope that this conversation encourages more com conversations and gives uh, the awareness and, and the permission for those to happen. But before I let you go, Liz, um, I do just want to hear from you where people can learn more about uh, Veterinary Woman and uh, Veterinary Woman Health Month. Yeah, so our website is www.veterinarywoman.co.uk and all the links to the Health Month are, are on there. And there's lots of other content around leadership and career and role model stories, etc. Um, I would encourage people to um, get involved in the survey that we're running with SPIVs around both awareness and impact of menopause. And that's for everybody to fill in, not just people affected. Um, and obviously, you can follow us on social media. We've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, all at Veterinary Woman. Brilliant. Thanks again, Liz. 
Thanks so much for having me, Tom.